On Friday of last week and ever since, thousands of men and women have made the pilgrimage to a fountain on Vulcan, where they have stood in a circle to pay their respects to a man, who by virtue of his work, his character, his wisdom, and his very being, became a legend in our time, having had a profound impact on so many lives. Within the confines of a digital world, these people found some small measure of solace in numbers, knowing that both to their left and right stood someone in mourning for a man whom they'd likely never met, yet had known, loved, and respected for a great many years. Leonard Nimoy, Spock, passed away last Friday from complications with a heart disease brought about by years of smoking. He was 83. As with many actors who play iconic roles, he went through a phase in his life where he wanted to be known for more than just having brought life to Spock. He even wrote an autobiography titled I Am Not Spock, which was published in 1979. As the years went on, though, he came to appreciate what it meant to be Spock and in 95 published I Am Spock. Though I believe that the best thing I've ever read of his was a reply to a submitted letter to Fave magazine, published in 68, wherein he discusses prejudice, popularity, and strength of character. A girl of mixed-race heritage sent the magazine a letter asking Spock in character how he dealt with the same issue and the bullying that lies therein. And Nimoy replied with a kind of wisdom that is still in this day lacking. He said, It takes a great deal of courage to turn your back on popularity and to go out on your own. Although inside you're not really like the members of the pack, it's still frightening to decide to leave them because as long as you're popular, you at least have someone to hang around with. But if you do leave, then you may end up alone. He goes on to say there's a little voice in each of us that tells us when we're not being true to ourselves. We should listen to this voice. He discusses Spock's thinking regarding the need for popularity versus the reality of attaining it, especially with a pack who might turn against him at any minute. It's a brilliant and compassionate response to a very real issue of the time, and I'm quite certain it would have had a positive influence on this young girl's life. As a show of respect to this great man, tributes are now planned in three spacefaring games. In Star Trek Online, whose memorial will be going live this Thursday, the 5th of March, Elite Dangerous will be adding a Nimoy memorial station in the upcoming Wings Update 1.2. And in Star Citizen, whose dev Ben Lesnick wrote on their forums, no petition necessary when prompted for an in-game tribute. He went on to write, I think it's safe to say that Mr. Nimoy was an inspiration to all of us on the team, both acting as Spock and because of his core kind humanity we will find an appropriate way to honor him. Social media banded together on Friday and since with photos, quotes, and videos of Nimoy. A clear favorite is one of he and William Shatner eating a slice of pie in between takes dressed as Kirk and Spock. Both are laughing, but it's Nimoy's smile which is so absolutely heartwarming. Spock epitomizes the stoic male figure, and to see such warmth reveals the man behind the character. We were privileged to have him in our lifetime. I don't know if either of you have something you would like to add. I've just seen so often over the years with celebrities of his status that they're, like you said, they're they're iconic for one role. And after they pass, like that's all anybody can remember them for is that one role. But I think 
what he did with Spock, both, you know, in and out of character and what he represented throughout his character story arc from the TV show into the movies and how he was able to give so much depth to his performance. I think in this case, it's a little more fitting because his life in so many ways was exemplified by that role. It it didn't overshadow who he was. It just made who Leonard Nimoy was that much more special. I, um, of all the celebrities that have passed while it's been sad, I don't think anyone has hit me quite as hard as this one. Uh, I was that loner geek kid. I was that one that was, you know, being made fun of. I was different. I was the half blood. I was this mixed race kid that wasn't quite accepted by anybody. And then I grew up watching him play a character in that same role. And it sounds so cheesy, but it's so true. Like, looking at him, looking at the life that he carved out, even as that character as a little kid spoke to me and then following his career and his love of all things geek and just his intellect and the way he invested himself, it was beyond anything that I could ever, ever compare anybody else to. And it touched me in a way that just, I hurt. Like I hurt at the loss of this person. I hurt at the loss of a wonderful human being and everything that he gave back. And I hope that in my lifetime I can give back one-tenth of what he gave to people. I anticipate that active subs for Star Trek Online are going to jump. And I really believe that's a good thing. There have been a number of updates to the game over the years, and it's still got a steady, albeit smaller, player base. And for anybody who's not experienced it, I would suggest they give it a shot. Uh, Much like having Kevin Conroy mentoring you as Batman in DC Universe Online, there is really something spectacular about having Nimoy guiding you through the galaxy as Spock in Star Trek Online. So for all of its faults, there are still a lot of really good things about that game. And knowing that this memorial is going up as well and things like that, I think it's a good idea for more people to check it out and, and to become invested in that world. I think it says a lot that so many people just showed up there. Like, yeah. There was no message that went out. No, like, no, we're having a gathering at 7 p.m. tonight. It's just so many people on their own just decided to go there. Yeah. Yeah. It's again, it's funny because like I grew up in that time when like the, your parents didn't game. Games had just recently been introduced and stuff like that, and it was younger people that game, and that stigma has lasted quite a while. But we're getting to an age where a lot of the parents are now gamers, so it's a again, it's a different kind of mentality that's that's bred into a person from gaming from a very young age. And even though, like my old man has. Um, like he's played games that I've had around when I was living at the house and stuff like that. Hell, he used to steal the Qbert little mini. <laughs> I used to have one of those like arcade style minis, and one of them was a Qbert, and the other one was a Zaxxon. And I remember him because I played the crap out of them. My my folks actually had to buy a battery charger, which at the time cost a small fortune, just because we were ripping through batteries like crazy. But anyways, so he he still can appreciate that, but he never. He never understood this idea of a gaming community. And 
for all of the faults that we're seeing in that now, thanks in large part to Gamergate, as uh, as we've seen recently, the core of the gaming community is one that understands that you can have intensely profound emotional connections with people without ever having met them. And that's something to the other generations that you can't, they, they can't always grasp that. I know my old man never could. And don't even get me started on my mother. She never really understood the concepts of a lot of different types of games and things like that. So the idea that people can mourn in a digital world and be surrounded by people who understand and are feeling the same thing is completely foreign to that. But I'm glad that that's passing and we're more and more of a time of understanding, accepting and being able to use that as not a crutch, but you know, that shoulder to lean on when you need it. And it's, it is when, when I saw those images, it was profound. It is. I don't care what you think. Again, other people might look at it and just see, you know, avatars in a circle, but to somebody who understands what's going on, it's a profound moment. And, and I'm glad that they had that. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the only other time I saw that was when uh, Christopher Reeves passed. And in City of Heroes, I logged in. And it wasn't even an organized event. It was before, like, online communities were really kind of like a thing. Like, blogs weren't really hitting it yet. There wasn't really, like, massive forums and I log in and I go to Atlas Park on the Freedom Server and here are all these superheroes. And I'm talking like every single player on that server. And then it's repeated throughout every other server and they were all dressed in back black and they were all saluting, you know, the the essentially what was the game's version of the American flag in a moment of, you know, silence for it. And it was one of the most awe-inspiring moments that I think I've seen in gaming. And it was actually a pivoting point for me, which made me decide that I wanted to be a member of the gaming community. It's just, stuff like that doesn't come along very often. And we're talking, God, this is what, 12 years now? Well back, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like once a decade, if not more, like these are profound moments, like you said. Pay attention to them, people. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to some actually happy conversations about other games. We got some news about Telltale and a partnership with Lionsgate. Um, Vince, I'm going to let you tackle this. Yeah, I, I don't know about you guys, but this was a huge shock to me. Like We all knew Telltale had something coming. They've been teasing us for a while now that they had an original IP that we're working on because uh, they're well known for all their licensed properties, but... When this news hit that Lionsgate Entertainment, you know, the film TV producers producing uh, production company had made a, quote, significant investment in Telltale. We, we don't know the specifics of the deal, but they, they now own a large chunk of Telltale company to start a partnership between the two of them. And that this new IP that we've been hearing so much about for the past almost year now, I believe, is going to be what they call a super show where it's going to be a crossover between their interactive gaming and an actual, I don't know if it's going to be a network broadcast per se, but a TV series. And it's pretty bizarre idea. Like it 
it's something that until we can really look at and know what we're doing, it's kind of hard to wrap your head around when they're talking about it because the way they explain it is it's going to exist on its own as a TV series. And they say that they want it to be a very high quality TV series, which Lionsgate is known for with stuff like Orange is the New Black and Mad Men. They, they definitely put out high quality stuff as well as being a fantastic marketing machine, which can only help Telltale. But in addition to that, certain episodes of the TV series, they, they said that there are going to be standalone episodes that exist outside of the, the game releases, but Whenever a new episode of the game releases, it's going to have an episode of the series release alongside of it, and they're going to intertwine. And they even said that you can play them in whatever order you want, that if you play the game first, the decisions you make in the game will be carried over in the show aspect, which leads me to believe there will be, you know, different scenes filmed or something to that effect. But they also say if you choose to watch the episode first before you play the game, that'll also have an effect on it. So they're doing some real high concept stuff here that it, it's all kind of ethereal at this point. But God, am I excited to see how they pull it off. Now, was I the only one that thought Defiance, though? Nope. I immediately thought that exact same thing. And I was going to say that it's like these are people that where like saw defiance saw where it failed and was like we can do better. See yeah. the, the only problem that I foresee with that is essentially the same thing that occurs with the remember the old school choose your adventure novels the writer mm-hmm. has to now write tons more that will never be seen. Now you multiply that exponentially by the cost of producing all of those scenes for a TV show and you've got yourself a very, very expensive production depending on just how far those morality choices, which let's assume that's what it's going to be because that's Telltale's thing, are influencing the TV show. So that's what leads me to wonder what that's all about. It, like I said, it's it's such a bizarre concept. Like with Defiance, the game existed on its own and the TV show existed on its own. And as an aside, the TV show is fantastic. I absolutely love it. And so, thus far, the only crossover that I'm aware of is certain characters from the TV show will eventually show up in the game because they actually take place in two different areas of the country. So there's not a whole lot of cross narrative between them. And I don't know of anything that's happened in the game that would have affected the TV series, except the op, the, the same similar thing, a character that's known in one property shows up in the other. So it's more of telling two separate stories set in the same universe than actually being an intertwined unit. And see, that's kind of what I would like to see Telltale do in Lionsgate, simply because, A, they'll do it better. But what I would like to see, and, and it kind of could be done in such a way that it does impact the uh, the TV show is if the game was done, we're in much like we're seeing with Borderlands, what we saw with The Walking Dead, where it's the same IP. It's just focusing on different people than the main characters from the, the TV show. So if we had the TV show running and meanwhile, you get to play as second, third tier characters from the TV show, but... What they do is in the typical way that Telltale does where they accumulate all the totals from everybody's choices, those, the majority of those, Hmm. they choose that to have 
an impact then on later episodes. So basically, it's the collective is deciding how the TV show will progress in certain regards based on what those choices are. It's not going to affect, obviously, the entirety of the TV show. It'll be minor things, but we'll still be able to see how we kind of influence that. That would be fairly cool and not nearly as difficult for them to pull off. See, I look at it and I just look at who's behind it. Like, I, I think we can all agree that when it comes to storytelling and games, Telltale is yeah. among the best in the business. And for a company of Liongate stature, now they're not Warner Brothers, they're not Universal, they're still relatively a small studio in Hollywood terms. That being said, they're one of the biggest small studios around, and a lot of their output over recent years even eclipses some of the major studios. So for them to see this and make such a huge investment, not just you know, the the deal that lead, that's leading to the merger, but I have to have a feeling they're footing a lot of the production bill for this. And given that that company doesn't typically make a whole lot of bad choices in the business side of things leads me to believe that there's a lot of trust behind this concept and that they really do believe they can make it work. Yeah. Oh or yeah. They wouldn't really iron, all that. ironclad contract. <laughs> yeah. They definitely wouldn't have gone into something like this without, without knowing that they can make a buck at it and do it. So I, I'm very, very curious to see what's going to come with this. Like, Super curious. Did yeah. anybody discuss timelines? And at this point, nothing that I've seen. Just yeah, you'll know about it soon. Yeah, the hype train tell- started, but we don't have a we don't have a departure list yet. Yeah, I, it, internally, Telltale is still hard at work on Borderlands and Game of Thrones. So I I have a feeling this new series is just very much still in the pre production phase. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to Crowfall. So we've been discussing this quite a bit as of late and they had been discussing the fact that they were going to be having their, they were going to have a Kickstarter. They're going to look at as many different ways of funding the games as they can without having to go to a publisher and whatnot. And sure enough, of course their Kickstarter page did come up. They asked for $800,000 and inside of three days had surpassed it. They are currently sitting at 950,000. Well, just shy of 951,000 and are at 9.8,000 backers, which is actually not all that much, which is not surprising because it's not your typical type of game. So not everybody's going to want to back it. And also because I don't know about you guys and what you thought. I was fairly clear in my Twitter responses to this, (laughs) how I felt. And again, I want to be for anybody who's listening. If you haven't listened to the past episodes, We've given this thing a lot of of attention, a lot of press. Like we're, I'm I'm still very excited about this. I want them to do well. The only thing that has really concerned me has been their pricing structure and things like that. But there's lots of time for that to change. But then this came up, and and I kind of, I, and a lot of people were impressed. I was not one of them. <laughs> and so, and I, you guys can disagree with me if you want as well. I don't know how you guys felt about it, but that the manner in which the page was done, even just again, I read some people saying it was so organized. You knew exactly where your money was going and this, not going, you knew where this money was going, but it's not telling you what else is going to be. Cause they, they talked about different ways of getting funding and things like mm-hmm. that. And they're being mm-hmm. very clear about this is, core and, and things like that. And I'm going, 
what does that mean? You're going to go for another Kickstarter for other aspects of the game. You're going to seek publisher funding for other aspects. It's not clear what you're not putting money into. And that's just as important as what you are putting money into. Now, again, that's how I felt. How did you guys take it? In the same boat, like I didn't, I don't know, like the page felt like I was reading a uh, codex from Warhammer 40K, which <laughs> is kind of a bad thing. Um, it, it just, it felt very kind of muddled. And again, the, like you said, there was a lack of clarity, right? And I wanted to know, when I look at a Kickstarter, I want to know if the money is going to go somewhere, where is it actually going to go to? And all the ones that we've been really thrilled with so far, there's been a whole ton of transparency with. And this one, it's just, it's kind of not there. I've just, and the rewards and things like that that I'm seeing are not very impressive. Like a lot of the stuff that I I was seeing, like the, the $10,000 Bloodstone patron, that stuff, do you guys, did you guys ever play Shadow Man? Yeah. No. Yeah, it didn't, like, a lot of the rewards were, like, these are basic things that we used to offer in old games that we ran. And, like, it just it just kind of, I don't know, it put me off. And that's sad. Because, like, you guys, I was pretty interested in what's been going on, but this is just kind of, well, I the, don't know. The tears I'm, I'm did not, edge. The, the tears did not impress me, which is quite obvious from the fact that I backed the the first $30 one for the earliest Mm -hmm. bid one because there was, well, the the $5 one doesn't even count. There was the 30, no, no, the, yeah, the $30 was for essentially it's the same as the $40 one. It's just the early bid one at the time they didn't have $34 one. And then there was the $60 one, which like you're not getting a whole hell of a lot there for your $60. And then the immediate jump to a hundred bucks and for your hundred bucks, a access to alpha, which, as I have mentioned, is not always a good thing. That's <laughs> you're playing a busted up game at that time. It's mm-hmm. not always fun. So I don't see that as a necessary perk. By beta, okay. yeah, more so, but not alpha. Yeah, if you're asking me, if you're doing a Kickstarter, anybody that's giving any money to you should be allowed into those early development stages to see where their investment is going to. It shouldn't be a reward. Well, the reward of unique name, reserving your name. That should be for anybody who pre-orders it. You can reserve yes. your name. That's a standard yeah. M- in MMO. So don't put that down as a, ooh, two months of VIP. We've already discussed what we think of the VIP package, which is to say not too much. But, but if you spend $130, you can get an additional character slot. Yeah, I'm still on the $100 one. I'm looking for value in 100 and I still haven't found it. Bronze freaking avatar frame? Come on. An avatar frame? That's your selling point here? A forum badge? That's your selling point? And then credits. Really? For 100 bucks? That's a lot of freaking money for what you're getting and not getting. And then jumps immediately again to... 130, which you're getting one additional um, uh, slot and a gold statue. Who gives a fuck about a gold statue? And a silver avatar frame now in the silver form badge. The only thing worthwhile there is that additional character slot. And jump ahead to the other ones. And I mean, Jesus, the 150 package was just an early bird of a 175. You're already jumping to 175 bucks to get anything that's actually worthwhile 
your exclusive stronghold, the cottage and all that other stuff, that's actually stuff that is worthwhile. But you have to jump to a hundred and freaking seventy five bucks to get that. That's right. Oh god, I almost at, le- at least with Shadowrun at hundred fifty hundred fifty bucks, you got a sweet bag. You got a crumble yes, of stuff did. that was worthwhile. You got the older <laughs> games, you got the bag, you got a bunch of stuff. This is like I really Again, I backed it because I want to see the game succeed. I am interested. I'm interested in the lore and things like that. I just am not agreeing with their pricing structure, and this is part of that. And I, again, they're obviously doing well enough, obviously, because they, they, they've skipped ahead of what, they're, what they were asking. But when you look at how many backers, that's still fairly low. And they address that too in some of the updates. And, I mean, people are shelling out Tons of freaking money because you have to if you want to get anything that's worthwhile. Well, I think, and I think too, uh, well, the pricing structure definitely pushed that along. But one of the other things why they have such a low number of backers is because this put a lot of people off. And I've been talking to, to people that were interested in this previously, both at work and online, and they're still kind of interested, but they saw the Kickstarter, and these are people that have like thrown money behind like hot dog cooking kickstarter crap and they're like potato salad like potato salad like i know people that have done that and they're like this is this is kind of a little much for me and there's they're taking a wait and see approach like they're stepping back off and they're waiting to see what's going to happen because this has got a lot of people kind of on edge yeah yeah like i'm definitely behind the concept and especially now that we've seen the game in motion like it's there's a lot to like here but also looking the how far out we are they're saying you know their estimated uh, date is going to be the end of 2016 so i absolutely understand wait and see that putting your money behind something that you're not going to see for a year and a half if there's no delays if at this point if they stay on schedule like two years two years really mm -hmm. yeah damn near two years yeah 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 again they announced the, the they put in some new stretch goals and they've got plenty of time to keep adding new ones for the 1 million mark they're looking at adding female centaurs and enhanced particle particle effects i would like to believe i know we're not but someday we will be in a time when saying you're going to one of your stretch goals is adding female playable characters should not yeah. exist anymore and Maybe they're saying, well, we've got the all-female race, so this is the centers where all the male. It made sense for the females, and you worked it into your lore as well. How exactly are the males propagating their species or just nailing random mares that they find in the wild? Because there has to be females, and obviously there is, because they'll add them if they make enough money. And I wish we lived in a time when that wasn't a stretch goal. And then 1.3, they're looking at adding mounts and caravan transport. That kind of shook me a little bit because I was thinking, an MMO without mounts? You were actually planning that? Yeah. And I know that we there are others that don't have it right now as well. But, I mean, they're few and far between. Most of them understand you pretty much have to add mounts. Or some mode of mass transportation, yeah. Yeah. Anyways. So, yeah. Did you boys back it at all? Nope. No. No. Well, like I said, I lucked out. I the day it came up, I was I was reading on Twitter and I saw it and I went, oh, what the hell? Thirty bucks. I'm supporting it, and that's all they're getting. 
because and I and the thing too is even taking into consideration my dislike of that stupid VIP package the way they're talking about it, I probably would have backed this at the that sixty or if they had a seventy five dollar package that was an actual viable seventy five dollar mm-hmm. package that was that gave you something that was worthwhile. Case in point, freaking going back to Shadowrun once again. That's what I backed it at. I would have I done that it at seventy five as yeah, well. I would have done the same thing, but <laughs> sixty is useless. One hundred, not that much better. And then you're literally skipping ahead to one thirty just for an additional character slot. So it was like, no, sorry, you're not getting any more than thirty bucks from me. Mm-hmm. Especially if we're considering that the VIP package is going to be fifteen dollars a month, like. It, where you're essentially spending thirty to forty dollars for forum avatars, yeah. <laughs> even taking that VIP membership into account. Yeah. Let's talk though about again, for the most part, at least for myself, I will hang on to the idea that what I'm mostly upset about is their pricing that they're going with the actual game. Still very interested in. We did get some more information about a couple of classes as well as some of the physics that they're talking. Joe, I'll let you take this. So I'll start with the physics here. And I'm I'm on the fence. Like, I don't know if I like it or don't like it. They're, they keep talking about how they're integrating a massive physics system that is going to cause you to interact with your environment in new and interesting ways. Where you can move debris from an explosion. Um basic or, or like you can your your character will have mass uh where you can block other players uh where we're gonna have that active combat but a lot of it like a lot of the stuff i'm seeing in this is stuff that i've heard from other mmos or other games that have involving physics engines of this particular nature um and then they're combining it with a voxel farm technology, which is kind of cool because it means that they can do more in the way of debris and explosions and mass combat and things like that. Like, I don't know if you've seen some of the voxel stuff where they've had uh, one person versus like a horde of zombies type stuff. Hmm. It makes for some very interesting uh, dynamic gameplay as far as combat goes. But it's, again, nothing groundbreaking. So that's I, I enjoy the fact that we're going to have another MMO that takes into account uh, physics, it takes into account body blocking, it takes into account potential more strategic gameplay, because that is actually something that I'm very interested in when it comes to games. The Papori Lancer in Terra was absolutely a blast to play for me because it was a tanking class that allowed me to actually physically have to block somebody. I can do that here as well. I'm okay with that. But overall, not, not wildly impressed with what I saw in the physics breakdown. Really? I actually was. Just in terms of if it plays out the way that they're talking about, I don't care if they were the first ones to do it or even just the, even the first ones to do it right even, just so long as they do do it right. But if they do, it will add a whole lot of variety to your gameplay, not just to PvP and things like that, but also just just plain PVE gameplay and things like that, being able to interact a lot more with your environment and also interact with your party and the environment. The idea of using your surroundings, which is something we discussed with the Lost uh, Lost Ark, the idea of using your surroundings and as a team using it, say, to accomplish different things or take down different foes and things like that, that actually really 
interests me quite a bit. Again, they were talking about the idea of creating a crater and then pushing an enemy into it or another player and then dropping a freaking boulder on them is just funny. That's I, I like that. That's kind of like there's there's an appeal to that kind of gameplay Please. that your imagination is the only thing holding you back. Please let there be a playable coyote race. <laughs> <laughs> and anvils. <laughs> oh, God. Well, they did specifically talk about cliffs, so yeah. I don't know. So the, the, the one thing that did actually concern me is more so the PvP flip side because of the obvious wall of tanks that you're going to have mm. and how – and they even addressed that here and what that will then mean for for gameplay, PvP gameplay going forward. And there's going to obviously be a lot of that in this game. So if it – breaks it down in such a way wherein you can expect that in this scenario there will always be a or or be needed a wall of tanks blocking this objective kind of thing for you to be able to win it then you're really changing how pvp encounters are going to play off that was one of my main concerns well that and that one didn't concern me as much because i remember the days of shadowbane um, I don't know how much you played as far as like building up with a guild or anything like that, but did you ever have like your island fortress and the money tree and all that good stuff or no? No, I played solo. And even then we're okay. talking a long time ago. I don't even remember how far I got. So again, Shadowbane's one that comes to mind. It's one of the, the game that when I first heard about Crowfall, it the, drew the most comparisons to with very obvious reasons I found out later. Uh, but there was this mechanic where you could plant a, basically what was called a money tree and your guild could donate into it and it, around it sprang up your town and your town grew and prospered and unlocked uh, vendors and banks and quest hubs and things like that. And you could actually lay siege to another guild's area. Um, one of the common tactics during this was basically to have rotating shifts of walls of tanks around your money tree. However, there was a way around this. If you were an asshole assassin, and I'm not going to name names, uh, if you were an asshole assassin, you could actually shadow step beyond the tanks and could get at the tree. Because if you stole from the tree or damaged the tree, you damaged their entire city. So if they have mechanics like that for other classes here, which, again, we don't know a whole lot about the, all the classes quite yet. Like we're starting to get some ideas, but there may be things that they built into the classes that allow you to get around. Well, they did say that. They did say that. There are some that can get through or some of them that can get under as well, which is going to be what I'm playing. That little dude. Burrowing. Oh, dude, I'm playing him. I, oh, I have to. Yeah, it, it definitely leads to a lot of potential emergent gameplay. Like, yeah, you can surround, you know, your choke points with you know, Lancer upon Lancer, but it doesn't matter if they can just bring down the fucking wall in the back and walk through the open hole. Or at the same time, if your enemies do cause a breach in your defenses, you can then mobilize to plug that hole. So it conceptually, I can definitely see a lot of interesting gameplay that's going to be very player driven instead of mechanically driven yeah. it has potential all right you're gonna cover the uh, classes i will i will indeed uh so we got two new classes uh first is going to be the frost weaver uh which seems to be a very dancing icy elf mage range dps uh and it seems kind of you got the backstory and unlike some of the others it seems sort of well appropriately cold and removed from sort of 
society. It's where these are essentially descendants of, of from what I gathered, magic users or scions or witches uh, that have stayed around and are trying to entice, in this particular case, whoever was left behind in the winter to dance with them. And I'm not sure if that means that they're going to steal the essence uh, of the person because there was that little line at the end where they talk about, you know, stealing their warmth. So it seems almost like it's going to be kind of like a necromantic life force driven class, which is kind of cool. I like those classes because they usually have interesting mechanics. If you would have written this for me if, <laughs> and gave it to me, <laughs> I would have, and you gave it to me on a piece of paper, I would have balled it up really, really tight, put some water over it, stored it in the freezer overnight, the following day, taken it out, walked casually to your desk and whipped it at your fucking forehead. This is terribly written. Terribly written. It's horrible. No, it's not. No, there's some of the other ones are really, really quite good and interesting. Some of them are. Yeah, but this is... Fire whoever wrote this. I'm sorry. Fire them on the spot or start sending them on freaking garbage pickup duty instead. Something more along the lines of what they can handle. Oh, my God. That was terrible. The next one loved it. This one, shit on a stick is what this was. I'm done ranting. The class itself may be interesting, (laughs) but this write-up sucked ass. (laughs) I don't know. Well, you, you said you love the next one. Why don't you take the, the point on that one? It's a freaking guinea pig. Yeah, that's all you need to know. <laughs> it's a guinea pig. Guinea I'm pig. In. And the image that they have of him with his little sword and his little gun. Yes. I was like. I want to play this. This is awesome. So this is going to be, they call it a specialist. It looks kind of like a rogue type character and whatnot. But here's where you're looking at a backstory where. He's explaining how they weren't always this aware, self-aware and intelligent and stuff like that. But there was this woman who was passing away and they, he makes mention of the fact that she's obviously dying and there's blood and things like that. And they tried to bring her food and she wouldn't have it and water and she didn't want it. So they just offered her comfort while she was dying. And what she did is gave them this this gift of intelligence and awareness, but not just to that one guinea pig that stayed with her, but to the entirety of the race. And so you have this, like, this is fantastic backstory. This was friggin' awesome. And then you see the little picture of him, and He's I a swashbuckling guinea pig. See, I love guinea pigs. Okay, I, I, but <laughs> why? I, I we've just had, we've had this, we've had this talk. We've we've owned them in the past, and. I still, you know, if I look at where my desk is, maybe I'll have to put a picture up. Maybe we'll see if I have time. My desk where I keep my computer and like there's the mixer board, there's all this stuff. And I have this massive cage and inside there. Oh, no, this. Hold on a second. Yeah, this is the one. Yeah, because we had a guinea pig and I called him Beast. (laughs) (laughs) And he used to hang out in there. Because it was big and there was lots of space, and uh, and my one of my daughters also had one, and they're just such one. If you could freaking toilet train them, that's the only thing missing. But uh, but they're they're just such wonderful creatures, and they just have this this look about them that that is awesome. And uh, 
And so, yeah, when I saw this picture and um, was that on the weekend, they also had a Twitch that they streamed and it it was this weekend. Yeah. And it was one of the devs working on this dude. I believe he was doing some work on some pendants and some other stuff in this dude too. And it was like, Oh my God, this is it. You only want to give me three character slots. Fine. Whatever. But this is going to be one. (laughs) This is, (laughs) this is, this is going to be my main. (laughs) Well, it's like, it's like that with me too. Like I love, I love guinea pigs because they have such personality. Like they're little tiny people. Yeah with weird little scrunchy faces and make wonderful noises and are just really, really cool. And the idea of a swashbuckling guinea pig makes me really, really happy because I just have this mental image of like my past guinea pigs is kind of like rolling through the air or riding on top of my cats. This is going to be, I bet you the class that they're referring to as well. When they talked about burrowing under tanks that aren't moving, it would have to be. So anyways, it's awesome. If you can't tell, we like guinea pigs. This is for the lore approved. Man, I even just, I love the picture. I might use that as an avatar at some point. That's how awesome it is. I love it that freaking much. And if they allow us to customize it even more, Beast will come back to life. (laughs) Okay, let's move on. We got hit with a hell of a surprise last week. We've been getting more of these, much like the HoloLens from Microsoft. We found out freaking Valve is working on VR technology as well. They partnered up with HTC and they have what they call the, I don't know, I didn't actually, I watched the video, but I didn't listen. So I don't know if they actually said it. I don't know if they're pronouncing it the French way Vive or if it's Vive or how they're pronouncing it. Anyways, this thing is freaking awesome. And not just that, but... Much like, again, the HoloLens, this is like, they've kept this a secret. This shit's coming out soon. Holiday. Mm-hmm. This year, this is coming out. And as opposed to the Rift and the Gear VR, this sucker's got two 1080p displays running at 90 mm-hmm. frames per second. That's no insane. motion sickness there. You're going to be seeing crystal clear images. So, yeah, both of them are running at 1200 by 1080 and, again, at 90 frames per second. To put into context, the Oculus Rift, the, the second developer kit, has one display. It's a 1080 display. It runs at 75 frames per second. And the Gear VR has a 2560 by 1440, and it runs at 60 like the two 1080p displays at 90 sec and 90 frames per second, that's going to create this unreal image. That's going to, there's not going to be any stutter, nothing. Well, and that's one of the things that like, I have a friend who happens to have an Oculus Rift dev kit. Yeah. Um, and that was one of his major complaints was like any, anything he plays or works on because of the way the screen is, he can't do it for any sort of length of time because he gets motion sickness or he gets headaches. This doesn't seem like it's going to have that problem because it's not going to have that same stutter. And I want to know, I really want to know how the fuck they kept this secret. Yeah, no kidding. With everything else has been getting fucking leaked over the last few months. How the hell did we not hear about this? Because of Gabe Newell's hit squad. Yeah, really. (laughs) (laughs) They're getting close. Quick, steam sale. The other thing that they talk about that's interesting (laughs) here is they're also addressing the um, controls as well. They didn't say if it's going to be like a glove or something, but they did say there's going to be wireless VR controllers that HTC has said is going to be simple, intuitive. So it makes sense to think maybe like thin kind of like maybe riding glove kind of things. The device itself is your, your typical kind of 
it looks very much like the Oculus. That's kind of a downside because those suckers do get heavy. But the other thing that's interesting about this too is that the sucker has motion tracking. It's 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 going to actually allow you to move in your environment. It has a motion tracker base station that tracks your movement in a room up to 15 by 15 square feet. So as opposed to the Oculus and the gear where they've point blank said, this is for sitting down play. This one here is more about go out and move around in your room and just don't forget where the yeah don't, don't, is. don't trip over shit yeah. but man like this is freaking awesome you know i'll be interested to see if they do a similar integration to what they did with the oculus rift where they have the um the omnidirectional walking platform have you seen that no so it's a series of uh like micro rollers and it's a uh, almost like a not a suspension system, but it's kind of similar to almost like a baby walker as far as like shape goes. But you can move in any direction and turn and you just you it registers which directions you're turning and moving uh, as long with like the Oculus. So that if you don't have, you know, a 15 by 15 room or you have a 15 by 15 room that's full of shit that you can't really run into or you don't want to run into. Uh, you can actually get and set one of these up. It's really expensive right now, uh, obviously, but it's kind of a cool concept where it's like you can have that sort of immersive gameplay where you can run, you can jump, you can do all the things that you would normally do in like a game. Like, And they, they show it for a lot of first-person shooters, but this is kind of cool. And I would love to see with something this tight, like maybe an option like that come out too. I still don't want to strap one of these things to my face. I will. Are you kidding me? If like it is a virtual boy, man, if this sucker is going to look as good as one would imagine they can make it look. And I'm going to like, just allow myself until the reality comes out and shatters that dream. I'm going to live that freaking dream that this is going to be that kind of awesome where you can be standing anywhere in the world kind of thing that you can, as long as there's been video kind of thing and that you can have these fantastic fantasy questing moments or whatever, going toe to toe with a freaking dragon whipping around an imaginary sword and feeling some kind of force vibration through those gloves, that kind of thing. Like I just, it, it, it it blows my mind that I'm going to be alive in the time when this could potentially be a reality because yeah, we've seen it all on freaking holodecks and shit like that, but it's all been pretend. And now to be at a point where some small measure of that might be a reality. Again, if this is even remotely as cool as what I would imagine it to be, I am freaking buying one and be sick. Batman Arkham Knight playing on this <laughs> come on oh my god that would be awesome I can so your you wife comes that. into the room yes. and it hits you stop saying I'm Batman. I'm Batman no you're not you're ruining the immersion stop that we talked about this I had 10 minutes left but yeah I on the bright side you'll finally get that soundproof studio built. yeah really <laughs> Then that's where all the padding is going to come in handy on the walls. <laughs> all right. So the only downside to this is that the freaking headset is wired. Uh, they want you to move around, but you might get tangled up a bit. 
I, I, I can't wait to see more. I, I honestly, I simply cannot wait to see more. Though I, even if this is not, doesn't have the type of game integration that we would like to see, but even if it's just that kind of immersion, whether it's in a fantasy environment, a sci-fi environment, it allows you to watch movies, whatever. I am ready. I am so ready for this technology that I'm in. I'm, I'm, I'm in. I will pick it up. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Some of the stuff I've seen people experimenting with with the uh, the Oculus and whatnot from like a filmmaking standpoint with the 360-degree cameras and like the binaural audio recordings, some of that stuff is really cool because people are getting really artistic with that because when you're filming with a 360-degree camera, you can't have crew behind or it, you have to have things around for people to look at. Like, yeah, the, the main scene is going on here, but you're giving freedom to the viewer to look around beyond what you're just filming. So, so personally, I, I still don't want to strap a freaking machine to my face, but I'm more interested in it from like the more artistic side of things than the gameplay. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. Oh, for the lore is going to get so freaking interesting. Come holidays. <laughs> you won't be able to see all the bruises on my face. <laughs> from bumping into shit, but, <laughs> but I'll be telling you about it. Okay. Let's, he's in traction from running into the wall. I won't be running. I can't. I'll hobble <laughs> into a wall, please. Worst that'll happen is I'll have to patch up the wall because my cane went through it. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about some crazy Japanese shit. Although this oh, is, well, that's my cue. Yep. Go ahead. <laughs> well, we actually got a very exciting announcement. Uh, that Dragon Quest Heroes is coming to the West uh, on PS4. It's releasing on PS3 as well, but they're not bringing that version over. And it's a game that a lot of people knew knew about, but everybody was fairly certain it was never going to leave Japan. Uh, it's from Tecmo Koei, and specifically their Omega Force studio, who is the team behind Dynasty Warriors. We saw them uh, with Hyrule Warriors last year. And they're continuing to branch out by now doing a Dragon Quest game, uh, Dragon Quest Heroes. So you take the Dynasty Warriors franchise, which is barely successful, I would say, in the West. Like, it has just enough of an audience to stay relevant. And mixing it with Dragon Quest, which as well-beloved of a franchise as it is among the RPG community, has never sold particularly well in the West. But they're putting the two together, and they are bringing it to Europe and the Americas, and that makes me very happy because Dynasty Warriors gameplay is always a ton of fun, and they're putting in these iconic characters, uh, combinations of characters from Dragon Quest Four, Five, Six, and Eight, plus uh, a number of original characters they're creating just for the game, including a slime, and everybody loves their Dragon Quest slimes. Yep. But from what we've seen from the little bits of the game, it has that traditional Dynasty Warriors horde gameplay, but by melding it with the Dragon Quest franchise, it seems like they're really focusing on the story aspect and having all these characters who have never interacted before, putting them into one world, and just kind of seeing what happens with them has me very excited. Cool. I actually never played any of the, the Dragon Quest stuff, so might be a jumping on point. One one of the early like obsessive gaming memories I have is the original Dragon Quest, Dragon Warrior. It was still called back then yes. on NES. Dragon Warrior. 
because that was the first strategy guide they ever released from the Nintendo Power subscription. Uh So I was playing Mm -hmm. that game with power and (laughs) I just poured over the book. Like I I would play the game with the book open on my lap because I was like, seven eight years old what the hell did i know about complex japanese rpg mechanics at the time but now it's it's a series that has always had a special place for me and uh, the fact that the online game never came west was a little disappointing so it i'm happy to see that another marginal uh, release is actually being brought over if i still any, remember uh if any, dragon warrior monsters from the 90s <laughs> if any artist can draw a little vincey with a book on his lap, with a controller too, I and would, a slime, I would pay money for that. <laughs> and that's, I almost completely slipped my mind. But speaking of artists, of course, you have the Akira Toriyama art style that's been well known from the Dragon Quest series, and it looks great in HD because it's a very simple art style. Uh, you don't you don't have a lot of buckles and belts and Final Fantasy style shit. It's very simple, very iconic character designs that can just be done nice, simple lines, don't need a ton of polygons, and just it moves so well. Like that I really like that we're seeing a really nice HD game that's not going over the top with all of its, you know, fancy effects. Like it's the <laughs> anti order. And I don't say that as a knock at the order. Like we said, what they're doing graphically there is very impressive. Mm-hmm. But I also like to see something that's simple but done amazingly well and fluid. And that's what we're getting style. here. There you can have style. It doesn't have to be mm-hmm. complex, but just have a style and, and look exceptionally. I mean, look at freaking journey. Journey's a gorgeous game, but it's all about the style, not about how detailed it is. That said, speaking about highly detailed, (laughs) (laughs) that Batman Arkham Knight trailer. Again, I know that you guys kind of waned on it a little bit there because of the extent that the Batmobile might be used or whatever. This trailer helped. I watched this and it was like... And and I'm in that mindset too because again I'm I'm doing Arkham Asylum again so I'm like I'm in full I'm Batman mode I mean like I'm it's it's there I'm so freaking ready for this so when I saw this trail and this is just from a a design perspective on producing good trailers as well this is a fucking good trailer we've got scarecrow talking in the background he's assembling the rogues gallery you've got two-face a penguin a riddler a new looking riddler as well you got harley quinn and poison ivy and everybody's there and then you got just batman defying the laws of gravity and physics because he owns a freaking bad suit <laughs> but i mean who cares because it's Awesome combos taking down guys using the cannon from his friggin' Batmobile while they're in the air, beginning to end awesome. And what appears to be fantastic character moments in the interactions with the characters, like when he's talking to uh, Poison Ivy, who's narrating this as well, and stuff like you're getting such phenomenal moments between them all. It's it makes me sad that this is the last one that Rocksteady's doing. That said, I cannot wait to play this. The And again, it looks gorgeous. And the new character models for everybody just look great. This kind of did away with some of my fear about the Batmobile. 
like I'm starting to see the Batman game that I want to see, and that makes me happy. Like this, this did a lot to kind of make me want to play, and I really want to. Like I dig the new Scarecrow look yeah. too. Yeah, like that was really fucking solid. I dig that a lot. Well, here's an interesting thing that somebody pointed out on Twitter. That's not Scarecrow's traditional voice actor. No, it's not. No, it's not. Is that Scarecrow? So I heard. <laughs> oh, I know where you're going with this. <laughs> I heard that that might not be the original Scarecrow, not from you guys, but like that it might be like son of Scarecrow or dad of Scarecrow type thing. Or the Joker. I, I have no idea, but I'm intrigued. Yeah. Yeah. I, I again, <sighs> see the thing that pisses me off now is that I want to pre-order this. <laughs> no. And I've been burned no. too much too recently with pre-orders. But if you pre-order the PS4 exclusive is the Scarecrow nightmare missions and custom skins. Scarecrow Nightmare Missions. No, they won't because this is pre-order, and they would never do that to us. You Developers can be know better. The day never before the game comes out. Yep, and still get. Or the you can buy it at Target. Oh, you don't have those anymore. No, we don't. You <laughs> bastard said, "Screw you, Canadians!" Anyway, because you just package them all in on the original shipment, regardless of whether you pre-ordered it or not. Yep, which is why I love buying video games from Target. Yeah, but I don't. I don't work. You'd have to give me one of those cards. <sighs> but I want to pre-order. <laughs> <laughs> Additionally, did you see the cool uh, ARG that kind of sprung up around this trailer? No. There's three alphanumeric codes that are hidden throughout there, and they're hidden. Like you f- have to freeze frame exactly right, and you know they're like melded in with the background, and. Like it, there's you can Google it. It's uh, this guy on Reddit broke it down. This actually really cool cipher, like Batman style crime solving of decoding these ciphers and uh, putting them into the Arkham Knight website. And all you get is character profiles for Harley, Poison Ivy and Scarecrow. So the, well, the eventual still... reward isn't that you know fantastic. But the Internet sleuthing community that sprung up for an afternoon trying to decode this was cool as hell. That is awesome. I have to pre-order it. No. <laughs> I have to. Vince. No, you don't. We I know promise th- you, you do not have to. He's, he's lost. He's we lost. know this is going to be good. We do? We definitely do. Come on. Arkham Asylum, Arkham City. We know this is going to be good. We know it. Let me pre-order it, please. Assassin's Creed 3 and 4 were pretty damn good, too. How'd that work out for Unity? Ooh. This is rock steady, though. That, that was Ubisoft Montreal. I can, <laughs> I can rely on these people. They would not fail me with Batman. Why won't you let me this, huh? this, this little bit of happiness? <laughs> All right, fine. Whatever. Okay, moving on. Another game that not as many people are playing, although it's sold quite a bit still, but anybody who does tend to really, really freaking like it, is Trine. I've played both one and two. I have, of course, I haven't finished them, but I played them. And I played two quite a bit with my son on the Wii U, of all things. And it plays really nicely on the Wii U. And we've had a ton of fun. The game was practically made for co-op play. Oh, well, it was. And 
three, we just got a trailer for it. So, Joe, I'll let you take this. So, for anybody who's not familiar with Trine, and shame on you if you're not, yeah. uh, it is a puzzle platformer with a very, at the time, when it first came out, a very unique mechanic. There are three characters that are bound together uh, by this mystic ancient relic. Uh, it is a thief, uh, a knight, and a wizard. And as a single-player game, you go through and you have to alternate between the three. So the thief, Zoya, uh, bow and arrow, she can charge shots. Uh, she can not, like, you can use it for knocking down crates, breaking things, um, stuff like that. Uh, she also has a grappling hook, uh, which she can fire at wooden surfaces and kind of get herself across different gaps, change where she is in the map, things like that. Um, Amadeus is the wizard. And uh, he can conjure new objects into existence. Uh, he can use magic to move things like planks and boxes, uh, basically manipulating gravity, which is kind of cool. And then you have Pontius the Knight, uh, who basically is a sword and board. He's kind of your standard, I'm going to smash everything in the face kind of kind of guy. So the interesting thing about the game is it revolves around flipping between the characters to solve the problems to get to the end of the mission, to get to the end of the, the game, essentially. And in the first game, it was finding the relic. Um, the second game, admittedly, unfortunately, I have not beaten, so I don't know what the ending happens there. But it was it just took that same core gameplay and ramped it up to 11. And it was very engaging, very interesting. And if you love platformers, there is absolutely no reason that you should not be playing this game. Like, go get it. You can get it for cheap. It's fantastic. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Now, the multiplayer aspect of the game is when you're playing with another person, they can take on another one of those uh, people of sort of the, the triumvirate that are bound together. And so you can work together to solve problems. Like you can have a wizard ready to catch a falling uh, crate as Zoya goes ahead and knocks it down and he has to catch it before it falls down a bottomless pit and then move it. Like there's a ton of like little cool things like that that you can do to solve the problems uh, together. And it rewards cooperative gameplay. Now we have finally, after a long time of waiting for this, at this point it's just a teaser trailer, but oh my fucking God, it's gorgeous. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the gameplay looks absolutely smooth. It looks absolutely solid. And one of the cool things about this is they've added depth to the levels. And that's one of the, the weird things that you can glimpse from it, where you can go from the foreground to the background in certain areas, and it it's going to ch it looks like it's going to change the paths that you can take. Now, this is speculation because all we got is a damn trailer, but um, I I'm in. I'm sold. Like, I'm going to be picking this game up. I might pre-order pre this game. I might pull out <laughs> the Because it just looks so fucking fantastic. The, <laughs> when you look at the three games for this, and again, we haven't seen much more than the, the trailer, obviously, for the third one, but looking at the, the leap from one to two, because one was oh, a yeah. great game looked good but then you got two and it was like holy crap is this ever amazing in terms of a gorgeous complex platformer that when you play with somebody else is will make you stop at points to figure out okay what are we what are we missing here what are we supposed to do and things like that plus if you play with somebody else you actually unlock other areas that you can't get mm -hmm. through otherwise but Same it was player, just it yeah. was so gorgeous and 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 rich and alive and again not afraid to use colors and use them effectively you and know, then you see you this. know the interesting thing about that is too the games are only two years apart yeah 
But then you look at this one, and this is like exponentially better than two even. Like this is, it's insane how gorgeous this game is. I I am blown away. And the mechanics that they're introducing, again, they show that working together, the cooperative play, which is important to the series. But even just solo play and zipping along, when, when she is zipping around like freaking Batman with a grappling hook between those <laughs> ledges and you go like, I want to do that so badly. It looked amazing. It just looks incredible and like a ton of fun. This And these games always sell for a very reasonable price. Oh, not, yeah. even, not even taking into consideration the constant sales that you get from. Even just full price is reasonable. This is, I'm guessing going to be the same and if so yeah day one purchase i can't wait to play this the other thing too did you know that uh that frozen bite that the the entire game system of trying is built on their own proprietary engine no i didn't Mm -hmm. actually like they built their engine specifically for this game which is one of the reasons why the gameplay is so tight like they did not go through and, and rent from somebody else they built this thing from the ground up and they've been building upon that engine since the first game like and you can see uh, that sort of build up. Also, it's one of the first games to really use NVIDIA's physics engine uh, from try even back in trying one uh, time, trying one did it, trying two built upon it. And it just looks like trying three is going to go, like you said, exponentially higher up to up through that, that sort of ceiling and shatter it and raise it again. It's phenomenal what they've done with this. And it, oh, I'm sorry. This is one of my, I love these games. Yeah. I'm sorry. These games are the reason I stopped being depressed that we still haven't gotten a new Lost Vikings. <laughs> <laughs> that is a fair point. All right. We are going to end on another teaser trailer that we got. And this one's from Compulsion Games. And this is actually a Montreal-based studio. They're the ones that put out the game Contrast for PS4. Now, when I picked up the PS4, when the PS4 first came out, Contrast was actually free for PS Plus members. And course i downloaded it immediately i don't know if it is it's not free now i'm fairly certain it's not still free but did you manage to get it vince no that was well before i got my playstation once again i haven't finished it (laughs) (laughs) but i played quite a bit of it contrast is a very cool game very cool game it it is it it introduces a bunch of interesting mechanics to play with and using the shadows and whatnot. And it was one of those games that was cool to like my wife. Actually, it's one of the few games that my wife was sitting down watching me play and kind of pointing things out and whatnot. And she, she mentioned as well just how beautiful the game was. Very, very stylish and, and gorgeous. Well, they put out a teaser trailer for a new game, which they are calling We Happy Few. And... To hear them describe it, they said, We Have a Few is a tale of a plucky bunch of moderately terrible people trying to escape from a life of cheerful denial. Set in the drug-fueled retro-futuristic city in alternate 1960s England, you'll have to blend in with its other inhabitants who don't take kindly to people who don't abide by their not-so-normal rules. And if you watch the trailer, Mm. it is freaking creepy, hysterical, on the edge of your seat at points, it looks like it's going to be a ton of fun to play. And again, if this is anything like the manner in which 
contrasts played out and felt and things like that. I am so on board for this. I don't know what the fuck I watched, but <laughs> I know I want more of it. I know I want to play it. I don't, I don't care. Again, <laughs> reasonable price. I will buy this day one to play it. Dude, it's straight up Harrison Bergeron shit, man. This is, this is, <laughs> you have me, man. This is dystopic future, but set in the 60s. Hell yeah. This looks like it could be a, a not so distant relative of Bioshock kind yes, of thing. Yes, that's the exact feeling I got. And it, it looks amazing. Not just stylish, it does look very, very good. So. And gameplay has that same first person kind of thing. Pick up whatever you can find to use as a weapon to either defend yourself or fight back or whatever you can do. But it just, again, there's something inherently creepy about masks and, and they use that to great effect. So that creepy bastard they had playing the news announcer. Yes. Jesus. (laughs) The way that the makeup around the face. Yes. (laughs) You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of the old school Twilight Zones. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's I. mm, So they're hoping to get us more information from uh, at uh, PAX East. So that would be very, very cool. I would love a release date on this. That would be very cool as well. And gameplay footage as well. It would be awesome if they took a build to PAX East to let people play and we got some actual gameplay to see because, again, this is, I really, really, really dig what I'm seeing here. And again, I'm I'm equating it to what I played through in Contrast and I did play quite a bit of Contrast. And so, because I didn't have that many games when it first came out. And so, if it has that same kind of playability and whatnot, I'm definitely on board. Definitely on board. This would be awesome. Mm-hmm. So, if it's anything like contrast, oh yeah, I'm there. So this is going to wrap up the episode. Thank you for listening. We actually don't have a feature this week, but we probably will next week. Make sure to stop by the site at forthelore.com. Leave us some comments in the show notes. And also you can find us next week, same time, Monday, 7 p.m. Eastern. And that is at forthelore.com slash live for our broadcast. You can find us on Twitter at forthelore or individually Joe at Loaders at J, Vince at Simodian, and myself at Zen Buddhist. Leave us your thoughts on iTunes or Stitcher, and we will talk to you guys next week. You look like an angel. Yay. And I didn't ball at the beginning. <laughs> you didn't? I was very proud of you. <laughs> It was touch and go. <laughs> I, could, I could hear it. I could. I could hear it like right behind it. Like, oh, Roger's gonna cry. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, you are sounding like you've got a level of enthusiasm. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> Screw you too, Joe. That oh, was interesting. <laughs> okay. I didn't say anything bad about you while you were gone. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you change just because he's gone? This is what I'm saying. Nothing, nothing to see here. So I'll have you know, Roger. Oh God, what your role as the worst good luck charm ever remains intact. While we were playing Diablo last night, I got four level seventy legendaries. Really? Each and every one of them, boots. Were they all the exact same pair? No, they were three equally useless pairs. 
Yeah, I got you legendary. Shut up. Oh, let me go take the chew thing away from the puppy. I mean, this is going to be the episode where there's no dog noises. Hopefully. I just laugh because... Hey, the last time it was... The first episode, (laughs) you said, no more dog noises. I'm actually in a house now. It's not going to happen. Every (laughs) episode. (laughs) No, last episode was, uh, was yours. It was also yours. I, I, I texted you. I sent you the uh, the I am. <laughs> that was last episode. <laughs> I choose to ignore it. So yeah, didn't happen. False. So I Seems picked like up the humble, humble bundle with all the crazy Japanese shit. <laughs> what more crazy Japanese stuff? <laughs> oh yeah, have you been playing uh, Bird Boyfriend? Still? I haven't had time. I haven't had time. I will, but I haven't had time. Like I was that asshole. We always knew you were that asshole. <laughs> I was, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm all I'm doing is healing on the druid, and now when I'm healing, I bear I barely talk to anybody anymore because it's just not worth it. That hassle ain't worth it. And the way that I look at it, it's like Pavlov's dogs, except with heels with hots. <laughs> you behave well. You get a heal. You don't believe behave well. You lose health and eventually you die and then you have to run back. And I've been doing that now steady. And you'd be amazed at how much better it works. I go. I was in the um, shit. The, I can't remember the one. The one that's right in Dalaran that has the bosses that spawn that has the core hound and violet hole. Exactly. I'm doing that. Sure enough, freaking core hound dude comes out and it's shooting. It's shooting fire at people. Shaman decides that he's going to stand in the fire. You can't get any more literal than this. You're standing in fire and is not moving and keeps casting his spells and is expecting me to heal him. And I just watched his health plummet. I gave him one heal. Just say, okay, here's your hot. Get the hell out of there now. And then once it ran out, it's a you're on your own, buddy. Forget it. And I waited. And I was hoping he'd die. And he didn't. He, but he was like a sliver. And then afterwards, I didn't heal him up either. <laughs> and there was that pause where you know he's waiting for it. And he's like, what the fuck? Why am I not getting he-? And then he started healing himself up. And I went, that's right. We've learned an important lesson here today, haven't we? Yeah, that druid sucks. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> you were quite literally standing in fire. Idiot. Thank you for listening to For the Lore. Each week, the show is broadcast live on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern. Stop by forthelore.com slash live to join the conversation and have your thoughts discussed on the show. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Comic Book Informer, a weekly podcast from Vince and Roger, as well as Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast. 
And lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. We encourage everyone to check out his site, ManelliJamal.com, or find him on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs. 